Hello and welcome to Culture Mocktail, where we unfold and embrace what it means to be a cultural misfit in society. We're your hosts, Noor and Aisha, and today we are extremely excited to be joined by a cultural misfit who continues to inspire us. It is our pleasure to welcome the amazing entrepreneur, creative director, graphic designer, illustrator, content creator, wow, mashallah, the list. The list goes on. <laughs> and the Minina Minkum podcast host, Ala Belkhi. Woo! Hi. Ala, we are so excited to have you on today. And actually, before we started recording, we were Googling the definition of rebel because when I think of Ala, I think of rebel, but like in the best way possible. But yeah, I don't know if Google agrees with what my definition of a rebel is. <laughs> but I love how you go against the grain, almost put a middle finger up to society and you're like, you know what, like I'm going to do what I want to do. So we're excited to speak to you today specifically about all the ways that you break boundaries within different aspects of life. So to start off, what is your culture mocktail? I'm from Jeddah. It's a city in the west of Saudi Arabia. So Jeddah has always been um, like a gate to Mecca. Um, whether it's back in the day through the port, uh, sea or, or land, but also the airport. So, so Jeddah has always been known for like being culturally mixed. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the families in Jeddah, um, their ancestors are pilgrims that came, married people from, from Jeddah and just like resided there. So me and my friends that are from Jeddah, we don't look the same. We are racially mixed, which is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, it's so interesting because people think like, oh, you're from Saudi. Saudi is 13 regions. We share borders with eight countries. Um, each region has its different like culture, its, its different like customs. Um, but collectively, we are Saudi. We share a Saudi experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so me, to be very specific, I'm eighth Malaysian. Wow. Yeah, my paternal grandfather, his mom is is Malaysian. Amazing. Um, my my grandma is from uh, Bukhara, which is next to Russia. My maternal grandma is from Hadramaut, which uh, is part of Yemen. I have a bloodline from Mecca like literally from Mecca Mm -hmm. um and so so it's kind of like a mix I I never did the DNA test so I'm not sure but but even like people like my features I know that I'm not pure Arab um Mm -hmm. like I'm not 100% Arab and I just think that's so interesting so cool Um, absolutely yeah I feel like it's almost impossible for somebody to be 100% 100% something nowadays <laughs> like so many people have moved it's crazy I mean there are like Asam my husband is pure Yemeni. through and through he comes from a really really um a big family that you know they married within the family and and y- Yemen is really you can trace back his lineage to like generations and generations like thousands mm-hmm. of years so um so he is pure arab and and that's why he's my height right? <laughs> i feel like this is the thing like obviously obviously there are people who are purely like 100% from somewhere but i mean i feel like with this kind of not even generation but the more time that goes on the more almost diversity there is in the places that people come from you know of course and i i want to say we know that the definition of pure and and people always use pure like it is the positive thing and anything that's not pure then it's it's negative and when it comes to you know race and and mixed heritage that's not the case Mm -hmm. um 
you know, when it comes to like, you know, food, you know, it's pure olive oil. There's nothing else mixed in it. So I, I never want to use the word pure as someone better than. Absolutely. Um, pure just mean, you know, it's concentrated. So the features are more there. That's a really interesting way to put it because it also links back to when people meet mixed race individuals and they're, they almost feel confused. They're like, no, 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 you have to pick one. Like, which one are you? They don't really understand things that aren't clear cut or mm-hmm. that aren't in one specific box or aren't pure yeah but um in terms of your culture mocktail the places that we live in as cultural misfits are a huge part of our mocktail where did you grow up and how did that affect you as a cultural misfit so i i grew up kind of uh in montreal between the ages of zero and nine um which which was so interesting because that was my first introduction to we are different Mm -hmm. and small little things that you know it it really does you really do think about it when you live in a place that you're not from and when you think about you know inshallah your kids and how you want to raise them and just knowing that you know you can you can do what your parents did and in terms of preserving the language and the culture and and the things that I would consider important language and culture are so important Mm -hmm. absolutely so we grew up in Montreal and I spoke French English and Arabic was my last language because I went to school eight hours a day and that was French and English and then at home it was Arabic with my parents but with my sister was French or English and when people came over it was French It, it really depends and Assam my husband grew up in Virginia so in his household, it was Arabic, but then at school it was American, <laughs> and so he he all his life he was in he was in America, so he's more American than I am. I wouldn't consider myself Canadian. I don't have the passport. Um, it, it was just like I would say my upbringing was a little not more Western, but it had a, a hint mm-hmm. of being of you know Western, whatever Western means right now. Um, it was just more Quebecois. okay cool so then after montreal how was it for you to adapt to a government school in saudi because obviously it's a very different experience right so after montreal actually we i spent three years in a private school called dar al hanan it was the first uh, school for uh, girls because schools are gender segregated it was the first school for girls in Jeddah. It was initiated by uh, Queen Affet. Um, my aunt went to that school. It's a very, like, there's a documentary about that school. Um, so it was a really good kind of, like, intro. Um, because I went there and because it was a private school, we had French classes and I was really good at French and I wasn't, like, you know, I was still third grade, but my French, so they just started learning French in third grade. And it was like, ABC and like the letters. And But my French was fluent because I spoke it. You're like, I'm a pro at this. Because <laughs> I, I grew up in Quebec. Um, so three years of that, that was so interesting because I think I found my people or people that, you know, I resonated with. Even though we were kids, when, when you're nine years old you just you're friends with everyone you don't really compare you don't notice yeah. you you're just like i was the cool kid that knew how to speak french very well and everyone's like say bonjour 
Yeah, like I'm the girl that just came from Montreal. I was a bit confused. Like, why is the school gender segregated? I don't understand. Mm -hmm. uh, do we live here now? It, it was weird because it was it was a weird transition of like, oh, we're on a plane and we used to go back and forth every summer, but this time we never went back. I never understood why. Like, I was nine, and it it, it just happened. Mm -hmm. uh, but then after that, I went to um, I went to a public school that was like, you know, a really good standard. A public school my aunt was a teacher so we kind of had like um she slipped you the answers <laughs> yeah like special attention because we knew someone there it was interesting because I was I, I felt left out at this school because I was this girl um and, and in Saudi public schools they so English English starts at grade seven mm -hmm. as a curriculum as like literally ABC so I just felt like oh my god why am I studying ABC again I don't understand it And I was more creative and it was like, I want to say it was a, a mess, but I appreciate so many things about it. I, I understood even though I didn't know the word back then, but now I, under, I understand that I was so privileged mm -hmm. and, and privileged in Saudi back then. And I don't like to generalize most things, but for me, it wasn't necessarily social class. It was the fact that, you know, I spoke another language fluently. Uh, my my parents were more open-minded than people around me in a public school. We had a driver that, you know, we could go to the mall on weekends. Other girls that were my age didn't have that. Mm -hmm. wouldn't call it luxury, but it was a luxury. It didn't have that freedom. It, it really... The thing is, it wasn't about the car. It wasn't about having a driver. Most families have dri drivers. Yes, it is a luxury, but you can have all of that. But then your your male guardian can be like, no. So the fact that, you know, my parents were a bit more open-minded than people around me in, in public school was a, a privilege. And do you think in any way being in Canada kind of influenced that? Like, did that, do you think that maybe made them more open-minded? Uh, no, my dad was pretty religious when we were in Canada, now that I think about it. I mean, at this age, he was more traditional conservative. Um, so there was a lot of aib, like Yeah. Which was very interesting. Um, but I, I don't know. I think he, he, he always thought that he was cooler. <laughs> <laughs> That's every out of dad. But not cooler in terms of, like, he's a cool dad my dad's a plastic surgeon and I think automatically that makes him cooler because I was so you know I was so proud it was so interesting like people were always like amazed like oh my god your dad's a plastic surgeon yeah. <laughs> that is a really cool occupation yeah. I feel like that instantly gives you cool points <laughs> yeah so it was interesting the least I can say <laughs> yeah So you mentioned how you went from Canada to Saudi and we know you were in a government school there where creativity wasn't really the subject that was, you know, the most encouraged subject to pursue. So what gave you the courage? Because for me as a um, Arab myself, like I know that a, a creative Arab as well, I know that creativity mm -hmm. isn't really the subjects that are um, most encouraged. Like I'm grateful that my parents are supportive and, you know, they let me study abroad and do like a creative subject. Um, but um, what gave you the courage to pursue creativity? I'm going back to me being 13 and it wasn't like me finding courage. It was just me finding joy and doing these little things and I never understood it. I loved art class. I loved doing collages. I loved 
I love doing things that are were different. My handwriting was so nice. I really cared about like the texture of the paper and how the pen, how you write on it, and all of these little things. I used to like. Um, I don't know if they do this now, but like my my notebooks, I used to wrap them with with paper. We call it tajlid. Oh, all the time, and it had little patterns in it as well, didn't it? Yeah, and for me, I was just so fascinated by how paper folds and and how you fit this thing into this other thing. And we had this other thing that we did with the books that we wrapped them in like um, like plastic to protect them. So for me, that was like so nice to make sure like there's no bubbles. Like I loved, loved, loved doing that. Um, it was it wasn't appreciated because it was all about grades. So it was like, why are mm-hmm. you wasting your time doing this? Which is such an issue. Like I think it's even even in the UK, I feel like it's such a shame that art subjects aren't taken as seriously as the others. Like yeah. I think it was almost like people considered it the subject where you could slack and it was fine. Like it was the class that you went to to just mess about, like yeah. have fun, not really pay much attention. Like, but I really wish, like, even now for the kids going to school now, that people gave them kind of the um they allowed them to see that there are options for them when it comes to a career in the arts. And mm-hmm. I feel like there are so many talented people that end up thinking, oh, I'm I'm not smart or I'm not talented. I can't, I'm not good at maths. I'm not good at science. And it's like, you aren't being put in an environment where you can flourish. Like you can't take a fish out of water. Like put a fish in water, it's going to do an amazing job at yeah. swimming. Like put a giraffe in water, it's not going to have a clue, you know? Mm-hmm. Like people have different strengths and I feel like it's so important that art starts to be recognized as a good career choice. Yeah, I think so when I was in, this was 2003, so this was more than 17 years ago. A long time ago. Yeah, so so I, I'm sure a lot have has changed and I feel like at that time people didn't know any better. Um, I think it was, you know, there was this movement there's always a movement but I think the movement back then was you know you graduate you get good grades you get into college and you become a doctor or you get a good job and it was it was more about women getting good grades so they can get good jobs so they can get good salaries so they can be financially independent Mm. and I think you know they didn't know that art 17 years ago and and 17 years ago in Saudi it's it's not it, it's not like a um a 17 year span it, it's the equivalent of, of 25 years the changes mm-hmm. um it's insane and it's crazy the the three past years alone are like you know seven years and how things changed so fast so yes it was it was bad for me but i'm i'm happy that it's changing it it would have been so much more upsetting if i'm talking about something that was happening 17 years ago that is still happening now which to be honest i i'm sure it's still happening in some places i don't like to generalize again especially like saudi is such a huge country with i think it's 30 million people mm-hmm. um so so i'm i'm a, my, like a minority of like a, a small percentage of people who kind of I can only speak about me. I wonder if it, this is still happening in my school, in my old school that I I, I went to. I hope it's not. Now I'm curious. Yeah. 
even for me like i mean i just graduated from graphic communication um but four years ago i didn't know that there was such a thing as graphic design like all i knew is that i want i was a creative person i wanted to be creative and i want my job to be creative so what does that mean the only thing that i could equate it to at the time was like painting and fine art because that's what i was doing at school so i just felt like this is what i'm good at and i literally traveled to the uk Mm -hmm. thinking okay fine art it is this is the career for me baba you have to be convinced i'm going away for four years to basically paint on canvases then i'm two weeks into uni in the uk and i'm thinking okay like i know i'm a creative but for some reason this fine art thing doesn't seem like it's what i want to do because i was never told that there's all these ventures that you can go into as a creative like it was just never a thing yeah i think the way traditional learning is or i don't even know what traditional learning is like curriculums i think graphic design even when you say graphic design now it's uh what it was when I was in school is so different than how it is now. It changed so much. The goal when I was in college is to graduate, go to an advertising agency because what else are you going to do? What does it mean to be a graphic designer? And and these these subjects, even if you end up not being a graphic designer or not practicing graphic design or not working as a graphic designer, these are very like basic skills, just like they should teach kids you know, entrepreneurship 101, branding, Photoshop, mm-hmm. Excel suite. These, these things that are more, like, these are more important than, I have no idea, like, and, like, all of these, like, math equations. In no ukhwata. Yeah, like, like I, I really don't understand that. I wish, I guess, I guess you, you take what you learn from it, or it really depends, because I know some of my friends really, really benefited from like قواعد and like Arabic lessons and just like knowing the right thing maybe my head was not in the right space or you just weren't interested in that yeah. because let's say one of your friends like her passion was to be an Arabic teacher then خلاص قواعد is the right tools for her yeah. but I feel like we weren't given the right tools like I mean I I hope schools are changing and the curriculums are changing now but even my art class in IB um, in school we're only like four or five yeah. people and because to people, it was like, why would you waste a subject and do that easy subject like art? Where is it going to get you in life? Yeah, I think also we need to we need to talk about when we do talk about school and especially middle school and high school, we need to talk about mental health because Absolutely. I wasn't in the right state back then because there was so much happening at home. My parents were getting a divorce. There was like drama and and it wasn't something that people... Uh, addressed yeah. or talked about because it's like airing your family's laundry it's shame aib again it really did affect the way i was i was so angry i think i was i was angry and i didn't care and i just wanted an outlet so creativity was my outlet to deal with all of that and that was where i could find you know my self-worth that that wasn't tied to grades or being right or wrong it was just a, a way to express and I think it really that did is, save me. Wow. That is powerful because some people could have went and done drugs, drank. I mean, you are in Saudi Arabia, so... I mean, you are in Saudi, but, like, a lot of the stuff <laughs> that I saw and heard about whilst I was living there, like... Um... It's, like, under the rug. It's, like, yeah. everything's happening, mm. but it's happening secretly. But it's a lot harder to get to those things. And no comment. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, no. I shall not speak. <laughs> no, literally. It really is 
interesting. So you were saying how important it was for you to be even financially independent. Um, and we know you've spoken before about how important it was for you to have a job. So what was your first job and why was that so important to you? I think my first job was really, I really wanted to be in control of my own life. And um, in our household, it was, it was mainly like my dad made all the decisions when it came to finances or, or permission. So if I needed money, I would ask him. Or if I needed to go out, I would ask him. And I always tell Saudi girls, you, if you make your own money, half of the power goes back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the other half that, you know, that's, it's all about negotiation and baby steps and like, you know, trying to be a rebel within, within the limits that, make it okay just to fight for what you want without actually fighting more like convincing actually I had two jobs during college one was at Sutra I was I was um I was the first employee to the designers so I was like the third person on the team um so I was their assistant the other one I was like an intern at this uh, design house in Jeddah so that was like my intro to graphic design, design, branding, and then fashion, um, which which worked out perfectly. Amazing. Um, so yeah, I was making a lot of money for a person that was a sophomore, freshman, sophomore, junior in college. Is that something that obviously, as you're saying, like, and which is very true, like it's great advice. Like it's almost when you're financially independent, like you have half the power, right? Mm-hmm. Is it almost controversial or taboo then for people to start saying, okay, I want a job now because it's almost like, okay, I'm almost reclaiming that power. Is that, is that a step that you've found people are afraid to take? Now, now, no. Now it's not like that. Back then it was. So I was in a private college and not a lot of the girls had jobs because it was like, why do you need to work? Focus on your studies. Like, why do you, like your parents are giving you money? Like, it was kind of like a bit offensive. Yeah, like, why would you do that? Yeah, but it's so interesting because I always felt like I was the cool girl that could do something that the other girls, their parents didn't let them do because, you know, like, why Why would you work? You have everything. Why would you do that? So I kind of was was doing what I was learning, which I learned faster. What when you practice, you learn faster than theory, mm-hmm. especially printing and and you know designing for like actual clients and doing visual merchandising and window displays in like an actual store. And it teaches you so much. Yeah, it was it was so interesting. It really, it at that stage of my life, I was still angry of like, why do I have to do this? But then. It, it was so good because I literally, I, I had control of half of my life where the conversations were always like, can I travel instead of like, can I have money to travel? So then I'm asking for one thing. Instead of two. You know, I think that's so interesting because I remember when I first went to uni, I, um, alhamdulillah, my dad was like sponsoring everything. But I remember I was like, okay, like I want to start feeling independent, like making my own money. So I bought a bike so that I can start working for Deliveroo. And I was like, Bob, I'm going to start working for Deliveroo. He's like, 
why like are we not giving you enough do you need anything are you okay all of this which is, is so funny like how us startups like really protect our kids yeah like, no you don't need to work all of this but like in the western world they start working quite early like actually you started working like what 16 17 yeah it was really normal here to get a job like have a part-time job alongside your studies like you would have a Saturday job that would be like your extra bit of pocket money more as well more than anything it's more for the work experience so they would kind of do it here to be like make sure you get something on your CV to like make you more almost appealing for your college applications and for your like sixth form applications and things like yeah. that I, I think that's happening now I, I yani. I really feel like a lot of the times when I talk about the past, it really has changed. And I don't want people to think that, you know, this is still the majority. This is still what's happening right now. So much has changed. Changed so much, yeah. But it was your reality back then. I think it was the reality for a lot of people. I think it was the time. This was pre-social media and like a conservative society, very private culture. No one... No one knew what other people were doing and and uh, social media changed everything for everyone. Yeah. Do you know the craziest part? And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost like, and I think Arab culture in general, we are very much about like, that's aib it's shameful like we're private we don't we don't display xyz like we keep it to ourselves but so many people are struggling with the exact same things and going with and going through the exact same things like for example parents who want to keep whatever it might be to do with their kids quiet because they're embarrassed or they they don't want to be judged like their neighbor is going through the exact same thing like maybe if everybody just you know like like spoke about things in like bisaraha like and they were honest about it maybe they would feel it would be so much more freeing for them yeah. and their well-being because everyone's going through the same things you know we're all human so if people helped each other and kind of yeah. helped each other through sharing their experiences i feel like it would be a very different situation yeah i think i think yes i do agree but then not everyone has or can or is is capable of being open. It really is part of everyone's, you know, personality or their journey or their personal growth or their healing um, to be able to, to be so open. Mm-hmm. Um, I do agree that people do go with what society thinks. So when society changes, people change. Mm-hmm. And That's true. and their way of thinking is really not their way of thinking. It's, it's their way of society. So when society changes and they see people are changing and people are doing things differently, they go with the flow. They adapt to it because then it's not you're not the the odd one out like people are doing it okay let's do it let's let's all do it but you it. know that's so interesting because it's like then which one comes first because it's like a cycle one has to move for the other to move but something has to kind of get the ball rolling in the first place you know because for society to change it has to be the people as well that kind of push that right yeah it's it's really interesting and i've learned like a long time ago like i should never generalize and i'm sure I don't know who what what came first, uh, 
But I'll give you example of like women driving in Saudi was such a taboo and you couldn't talk about it. And then it happened and then now people are okay. People adapt. Mm -hmm. People adapt whether it's women driving, whether it's changing the weekend from a Wednesday to a Thursday. Yes. Um, people just uh, just adapt to it because then it's like, it's like when, when I don't know, when people are more people are like vegan or more people are recycling or more people it used to be like a thing that you people didn't do it so you're you're the weird one that's recycling 20 years ago like what are you doing like recycling like what are you yeah, doing what it's like you weirdo Black are you crazy um you're reusing this and now it's um now it's normal i think it really starts from a couple of people that are um, like courageous enough to go against what's normal and then people follow and with social media influencers Definitely. that's helped a lot like massively like if there's for example one social media influencer that's very open another one can be open as well and it's just a chain reaction for more people to feel like they can open up or yeah someone might be uncomfortable because this is very new to them so they want to be open and they see someone and they're like oh my god like it's amazing how you're open um like and you're talking about things and they might want to but genuinely it's really hard for them to be like that because they're so conditioned to not talk about this because it's so ab and it's so heavy and it's so and it does take courage it, it really does it took me so much time to be the person that i am now it took me like a year and a half of therapy and until now like it's still so hard I I'm, I still have imposter syndrome I still feel like I'm not doing good enough I still feel like I'm a fraud I still feel like but then I get these messages that like like you're inspiring like you're doing this it's amazing that you're talking about this and you're being so open everyone goes through that so so but I know and I'm kind of like no so for example if I see something on social media that triggers me someone that annoys me or someone that I think I hate, I hope I don't hate anyone. <laughs> then I, I, I pause for a second. And I'm like, why is this triggering? You reflect. Like, why? Because it's something to do with me. Yeah, it's something to do with me. And if someone is mean to me, for example, if someone is mean, I know that it's not about me. It's about them. Something is happening to them that, you know, this is their reaction to it. And kind of just like slowly uh, understanding that, you know, no one is, maybe some people, but no one is out there to get you, you know. Yeah. No one is thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you. No one is thinking about you. No one is sitting there and thinking about you. Even if they are, they're thinking about them more than they're thinking about you. It's like they're you. projecting. Uh, they're thinking about them, thinking about you. Yeah. Like, how do I come across thinking about this person? Yeah, like, and everyone is worried about what the other person is thinking, but everyone is going through their own yeah. thing everyone everyone even celebrities even people that you think like oh she doesn't have one worry in the world she does for me i really try when i'm having a bad day and that's the weird thing about social media is like i wake up and nothing has happened in my day but something on social media triggered but nothing has happened my day just started how can something that is not directed to me or directly affecting my surroundings affect me mm -hmm. so that's when I'm just like shit like I need to like this is not and the same because it's not real and the same goes to like good things that happen or like happy posts it's like it's not real happiness it's not happiness that it's sustainable and it's still really 
so hard. It's really a roller coaster of a journey. Like, it really is. And the thing that you were saying about no one really cares about you that much, I think that's what helped me the most, like, in my life. And I think as long as I'm happy with what I'm doing, then who really cares? But the truth is, it's really up and down because that mindset is really easy to say, but sometimes it's so difficult to put into work mm-hmm. and into practice. I think people that want to hurt people are people that are hurt. People that want me to to make people feel sad or people that are sad so so then people that are happy want to spread happiness so when I feel that I'm happy I find myself more happy with everything that I see on social media yeah very true and when I'm sad I find myself sad so then it's not about the content it's about me I I still do the the wrong thing which is like I go on social media and something triggers me and I'm sad but then I'm still on social media because I need to find something that makes me happy to take away the sad. But then none of them are real. So the best thing to do is leave your phone and do something for you. So my therapist always tells me, like, when I'm worried about what someone thinks or what someone hates me or what someone's doing, she's like, come back to yourself. Do things that make you happy. Put things back. Like, fill yourself up with things that make you happy, with things, even if it's, organizing, uh, cleaning, vacuuming, reading, um, things that fill your your, your bucket of, of joy or, or mm-hmm. fulfillment. Look after yourself and self-knowledge is key. Yes, self-knowledge is key, but also being compassionate and, and having empathy, even with yourself. Absolutely. Of like, okay, I'm having a bad day. It's okay. People have bad days. And not beating yourself up because you are the first person that's taking care of you. Yes, your parents love you. Yes, your spouse loves you. But it's like, and I always, like parents are always the people that do things for you. And then they tell you, oh, I did this for you. I did this for you. I did this for you. But I then I carried you for nine months in my stomach. No, but growing up, I'm just like, you know what? I really wish you did things for you and not for us because then you might be more happy to, to be more happy yeah. for us. And the same goes with like friendships or like siblings or like spouses. Like if I'm just doing something for my spouse and I'm not happy, then there's nothing mm-hmm. to give. And it feels very depleting. Yeah, so filling yourself up so you can give. So first you then people because you you're so loving and and giving and and if you take care of you you can take care of other people so you are number one yeah you can't give if you don't have basically yeah exactly but even going back to how it takes a few people to start something for like others to follow you yourself were in the sixth cohort to graduate graphic design in saudi what was that like it was just so new the private college was so new people were so used to especially like girls they were just used to going to this public college that had so many majors this was new because it was it was new people didn't know what it was it it was so new like but new is usually quite scary like people usually stay away from new initially so I think it takes a lot of bravery I mean I had no other option because the other school didn't accept me so it was like this school it worked in your favor (laughs) alhamdulillah for not having the other option it did work out and I think what was interesting that culturally back then and socially like women were not breadwinners of the family so you know study study this major because you can have a degree then you can find a job and like it's okay graphic design um but graphic design like the whole creative industry in saudi was formed because of the graduating classes of 
you know, 2006 to 2011. So 2006 to 2011, like those six years, I would say this is not um, like set in stone, but I would say like pre-social media. That's when like the creative industry happened. So then you have people that are graphic designers, interior designers, product designers, um, you know, marketeers, web developers, all of that happened at once. So then it's like a creative community was born, Uh, a creative economy, not community, an economy was born of people that, you know, I have this idea, I want to start a coffee shop. Okay. Um, The branding, okay, this local design studio, uh, production, this product designer, um, this guy is, is interested in coffee uh community manager like this creative economy happened because there was no economy we were just we graduated we knew to do a few things in our small industry whatever it was and then we found out that doing it collectively creates magic so this it was born and and i've seen it i've seen it literally happen and it just magic it's it's magic I just want to say I just want to let everyone know like how passionate like your eyes are literally lighting up when you're speaking about it it's so nice to see yeah they're glowing yeah I think doing something that you're passionate about it's amazing yeah I I grew up in a Saudi that is not Saudi now I think collectively me and all my other you know um, Saudis or, or non-Saudis that grew up in Saudi and are part of this economy, of course, we we created this. And and the, the difference is that we've seen it before and after. I think a lot of people have seen it just, it was there. You know, a creative economy was there. Like in New York, in fashion, it was there. Mm-hmm. I think for us, it wasn't there. And we made it. We don't know how. Everyone that I've talked to in my podcast, we talk a lot about like before and after and we don't know how it happened. It happened because we were doing things that we loved and we did it with people, you know, that were doing things that they love and we just did it, whatever it was. Almost feels like your baby then, right? I guess. It's it's our baby. Like when, when I was in Saudi for this music festival, MDL Beast, and I saw this guy that is a game developer and I saw him from far away and, and he's just like, ala, ala. and I'm just like, and, and for me, like the whole, the idea that there was like this music festival, festival in Saudi and it was, it was, it was surreal. And he, he looks at me, he's like, can you believe this? And I'm like, I can't. And he's like, remember when we had the talk about, you know, what we're going to do? And I'm like, I like, and I'm just I like, can't. I can't believe like this happened. And he's like, we did this, you did this. And I'm like, I'm like, this is crazy. It's so it's so surreal and I'm just so glad that this generation that you know I like these girls that are now in Saudi I want them to be able to not not just like you know these are your options be a doctor or a teacher they I you can tell them now you know you can be an actress or or a musician or a singer or a DJ or composer or like a curator or an artist or you know a sculptor you can be whatever you want to be and I never had that option and that is magic that is true magic it is it's amazing like even you saying it it makes my heart feel like oh like people doing what they're passionate about I feel like nothing beats it and I feel like when you're truly truly passionate about something that's where you're gonna make sure you work 10 times harder than anyone else in the room because you know that you want to make it and you know that you have a purpose to you have a purpose behind it that you want to fulfill mm-hmm. and that you strongly believe you can fulfill. Yeah. So I feel like 
whenever people are almost put off when it comes to the arts because people are telling them it's not stable, it's not a normal traditional career path, if you believe that you're going to be successful, if you believe that you, if not even if you believe, if you work hard and you put the hours in and you strive for it, and really, really go for it, not halfway, like, if you're gonna go in, you go in, then nobody's to tell you that you're not gonna be able to achieve what it is that you want to achieve. Yeah, it's hard, because it takes, it takes so much courage, because you're so afraid, and you don't know what's gonna happen, Mm -hmm. but then when it does happen, it, it really is worth it, I think it's just and it's it's a combination of hard work and luck and the right time and all of that and you know when I started my brand nine years ago it's going to be 10 next year and it just happened and it worked out and then it didn't work out and then I failed and then I didn't fail and then it's just like I I there wasn't no like recipe for success it was just things it wasn't the right time for certain things it's so important to remember that sometimes your time isn't now and the time for you will come sometimes it's just like not the right time when people were producing you know things locally and slowly and everyone was like oh why don't you just produce in this like factory and like it's faster and and people didn't understand what goes on in in in, you know um fast fashion factories and how things are produced and until now but the conversation is starting people people didn't understand why it was so important to hire locals um, and why it was so important not to like you know portray certain places in 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 like a western way of like orientalism and like you know i don't want to see another desert in a campaign where like there's a horse flying by with like Mm-hmm. I don't want to yeah. do that but but now that is the conversation and when you do something new people are not going to get it right away but then you have something going on for you or you can just like do what you know it's not for everyone there's people that love the, the shadow careers and that's why they are in the industry but they're not the star and they do it very well you know mm-hmm. producers for example they do most of the work but then someone doesn't take the credit but is the face of whether it's like a a star or like you know a a musician or someone like the face of what's happening but there's there's always someone that is in the same industry but you know they people do things differently Mm -hmm. Um, so as long as you do something that brings you joy and do it with love I think you know things will happen yeah yeah and then what made you start your brand Fionca around 10 years ago I was tired and I was bored and I quit my job and uh I I discovered the silkscreen place in Jeddah and I was like this is so cool like you can actually draw stuff and print it on tote bags and then it just happened it was kind of like um um, I wanted. I always knew that I wanted to create products like a combination of graphic design and fashion, and and people assume I'm a fashion designer. I'm not a fashion designer. I'm a designer. I'm an illustrator. I'm not a fashion designer. I don't cut and drape, and I don't sew. I, but I love. I love to create products that include, you know, storytelling and and culture. Even though I messed up so bad, like with a little bit of appropriation with. I didn't know. I didn't know any better. Like the the Emirati burga, I used it, and I didn't understand. You know this. The, you know the the, the value mm-hmm. 
and and you know the story behind it i feel like these things are a learning experience yeah it's a learning experience and and like you know you you hope to just get better and just keep learning and just keep getting better and like understanding and and not thinking that you know everything because at some point in my life i thought that i you know no one talked to me i know everything <laughs> I didn't. The more you know, the more you realize you don't know shit. Yeah, you're just constantly learning. You're you're learning everything. I'm never going to stop learning. And that's the best mindset to have. Yeah. And I think when you know you're in danger is when you feel like when you see somebody who really does think that they know everything, that's when you're like, okay, now that's a problem <laughs> because there is no because way. Because you don't know anything. Yeah, like the second yeah. that you think you know everything, you don't know anything. But when you do think that you know everything, you don't know that you don't know everything. So in your head, I think you're just blocking. Mm-hmm. You're inhibiting your growth. Yeah, but you don't know that when it's happening. You yeah, don't know exactly. that your your ego is preventing you from, from growing because you're so stubborn. You don't know that. You think you're right. Makes you feel good. You don't know where it's coming from, but it, this is what works for you now. And, it, and it's all about, you know, dissecting these things and what makes you feel good and why it makes you feel yeah. good. I think it's becoming kind of more open-minded, like trying to, trying, to help, trying to help people understand different avenues and different um, perspectives other than their own that can help kind of break that down. Yeah. But um, so... You have Ella Vintersham, your new slow fashion brand, which we're all about, by the way. We absolutely love that you're that you're doing slow fashion. Love it. Thank you. So tell us about it and what this venture means to you and what your inspiration behind this one is. I think I think it really came from Fionca. When I started Fionca, I it, it was Fionca was a slow fashion process and, and I felt that it wasn't good enough because it was made in a workshop by the tailor that was working for with me um, for for seven years, and I thought like, oh, I need to produce in a factory because, you know, factory equals quality, and I need to do that. And you know, I don't want people to know that I'm buying this from Jidda because you know, but everything was sourced from Jidda. We were printing in Jidda. We were we were sewing in Jidda, except from like a few leather things and like phone covers that were made in China and India. Everything canvas was made. Canvas and PVC was made in Jidda. Um, but then Fionca was always a, a brand tied to illustration. So the value of the brand was in the illustrations and it wasn't the actual products. And that's why now we work with a lot of international brands. We did something with Ramel. We did something with Baby G and Casiones Cafe. We licensed our illustrations. So Fionca is like more of an illustration based brand. But then Ala Bint Hashem started two years ago when Fionca was seven and it was like kind of about time I wanted to create something that was more me now. And I wanted to, I wanted, I have so many ideas and I want to do so many things and I wanted to do them under an umbrella. Okay. So for example, when I went to Al-Ula, which is um, in the Medina, like Medina region in Saudi, I went to this market. I met this, these amazing women that do these beaded bags. So, so I, I I worked with them to create beaded bags for Ala Hashem. Um, I'm working with this this brand called Third Culture. We're doing something really great. It's it's kind of a bigger umbrella of things that I want to do under it. But uh, and right now we're working with a production company based in Jeddah. It's called Haute Couture, and um, 
we're focusing on gloves. It was kind of this thing that just happened. We love this, by the way. It's just like bringing back this like 1950s and just playing around with it because gloves, especially in Saudi, because the, the climate is a warmer climate, you know, uh, women that are more conservative wear gloves. So I wanted to take that and kind of be like, okay, she she always and it's always like the Ada Hashim girl like she always wanted to wear gloves in Jeddah so these gloves are tulled they're see-through um they're also a lot of people want not now want like driving gloves because of the driving thing uh which is interesting because the driving gloves would be like a more warmer uh like leather more thicker material than like um and just when you think about it just bringing back evening gloves and they were so chic back then and they so elegant still are um so that that's something that we're focusing more on um and it's always like an added element like gloves are so nice and and accessories and it just makes sense accessories sell more than ready to wear um there's just like they're faster people change them more often you know they're just nice Mm -hmm. I just wanted to make something nice with a story. Yeah. And why did you call it Ala Bintashim? There was there was a lot of debate around that. I wanted to call it, you know, my dad, his name is Hashim. I wanted to differentiate me. I wanted to name it after me, but people know me as Ala Belchi, so I wanted to call it Ala Hashim. I wanted to call it, like, I wanted to include my mom's name, but then that's, that would be, like, it would just create, like, a controversy of, like, why did, 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 like, her dad, you know, disown her? Why is she using her mom's name? This really, okay. this really shakes, you know, core, like, like values in our, in our culture. Of like, you know, you can. Then I wanted to name it after my mom, and then I was just like, no, but it's me. Um... I don't know. And then I just want it to be general so I can do more things. I, I think I like I want this to be something that I would keep up to like my 60s and I would just do projects under it, like projects that, you know, fall under the same ethos of the brand. And it can just be timeless and fit in whatever time period you're in. Yeah. So even the gloves, like, yes, we have the 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 made-to-order collection that we designed, but then we have the, the vintage collection, which is like sourced like sourced gloves because okay fine I want to create gloves but they're made to order but I want to have gloves that are like there but I don't want to make so many so I'm just going to source gloves that are already there and just curate them and have this collection of vintage like one of gloves which is such a nice way of, of distributing redistributing fashion and like a more ethical way of like the product's already there it's we don't have to make it it's very limited it's you know it's not I don't want to own so many things that I have. I don't want to make things just because I want to make things. I, I just want to have a small production run of things and things that I collect that are already there. that are not adding waste to the world. Yeah, which is extremely important. Yeah. And how much out of interest do you think that your culture mocktail mix, what up, reference, reference, what up? how do you think that has had an influence on your creativity and business mindset? I think seeing things from a different point of view, but I, I, I don't want to think that someone that stayed in the same place and didn't leave doesn't have that creativity. I think for me, it's just taking things from different places 
and combining them to one. I I'm so attached to culture because I I travel back and forth a lot and I'm literally in between these two places that are so different and I miss each one when I'm away from one like I miss the other one and I find beauty and things that are so normal but because I'm I was so far away from them for so long that I just find them so beautiful mm-hmm. um so people say like your house looks like a grandma's house and for me that that is that is what i remember was a good time in jeddah i think that's when i was happiest when i was a kid i would say because i i didn't know any better but i was genuinely just not worried about anything i was just it was just a more simpler life and and the visuals of that just remind me of that time when you know i just thought everyone was getting along and you know life was good and my cousins and I was having fun and going to like I I wasn't worried as much me because I didn't know what was going on you know in the world overall it's it's heavy the world what's going on it's mad does being in this like constant culture gap where you go back and forth between these different cultures make you often experience culture shock or has it just like become this norm where this is just you like two cultures mesh together i i think just like people code switch languages i code switch culture body language or or these things so yes i am more american when i'm in new york i'm still not i'm, I'm very much a girl from jeddah when i'm here people people don't know what that's like so they just see me as i don't know what they see me as honestly but when i'm in um, jeddah i'm just from jeddah mm-hmm. It's like an automatic switch. But I am more myself. I I would say I am 100% myself when I speak in in not just in Arabic when I'm bilingual. Uh when I speak in English depending who the audience is, there's a lot of words that just don't do it justice. Mm-hmm. There's don't do the emotion justice, don't do the meaning justice. So you feel like you can best express yourself when you're able to combine both of the languages. Yes, and I feel like in Saudi I am I am Saudi in Saudi. I'm not an American in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still feel like I don't I don't understand the culture and there's so many cultures like people think oh she's so American like people from like the the Midwest or like you know LA or like New York people are so different from each other here. Um and just to be mindful of that. I mean the US has completely different time zones in it for one as well. Like yeah, it's huge. I think I love myself more when I am 100% me and I'm 100% me when I feel safe and I feel safe when I'm surrounded by people I love. Okay, that's a really nice way of putting it. And that's the best thing. Home is really that feeling, isn't it? Yeah, and I've for the longest time I've struggled of like the meaning of home and I always say, you know, home away from home away from home away from home and it's endless. And the list goes on. But home is really you. Like you are your body. You you are your home. So wherever you are, you're home because you're grounded because you are present and you are you. Everything around, whether it's it's home can be people that are you know you're traveling with people that are home. For me, Assam is my home in New York and and Jeddah. Yes, it's the land, but it's also a collective of like people, accents, spaces, memories. you know all of all of these things um and jeddah is not nice when you know no one's there and people are traveling it's just it's something's missing because yes 
you know, you're there, but then what? What makes home home? So complicated. It's very, it's very, um, it's very intense. And and I do want to say that I do another thing when it comes to to privilege and acknowledging it. And I, I really understand the fact that I do go back and forth between my two homes every two months is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone has, you know, has the capability of doing mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. Um, so I, I really, I really appreciate that. And I feel like that really helped me just not feel like I'm away um, from, from Jeddah, which is, I, I, it's so, it's so important for me because Jeddah will always, I will always miss Jeddah. If I move to Paris, let's say my love for Jeddah and New York are not equal. New York is a place that, you know, even though technically I've lived outside of Jeddah more than in Jeddah, but there's something about having your soul in a place. And for me, that's Jeddah. I cannot explain it. It's it's where I feel that I am me. And, and I loved it when I left it. And I fell in love with it the, the more I'm away from it. And that's how a lot of, a lot of expats and a lot of, you know, people back then, like even um, poets, when they write, you know, a love letter to their city. It's because they're not, they're not there. And and us as Saudis, we we there's not, we don't immigrate. Not a lot. There's not a community that immigrates, so we don't understand that. A thousand percent. Like even, even for us, and even like while you're speaking, I, like, I completely relate, and I feel like, I love the way that you put what home is to you and what it means to you, because I think so many people, like us, like these cultural misfits, we we get the struggle it's like where is home where do we fit where do we belong like in our case it's almost like for me I felt too Syrian for my Irish side and then too Irish for my Syrian side but then I'm born and raised in the UK and it's like well they don't see me as part of them either you know so it's a very like it's a very it's a struggle when it comes to trying to understand where you fit and I think truly like home is it starts and ends with you like you almost become this global citizen and it's like wherever my feet are touching the ground wherever I feel like I'm being influenced by by something amazing that I feel like is changing me for the better and I'm interacting with people that are changing me for the better and that I love and that like you say I feel safe with because I feel like that's a key component actually like that's what home feels like and it's Mm. such a beautiful thing that it almost yeah of course it comes with its struggles feeling like this misfit and trying to figure out where you belong and why it's such a beautiful thing to be able to integrate with all of these different cultures and find your feet within yourself you know yeah I think it's all about your your personal experience and having different cultures just adds adds to you it doesn't take away it adds yeah and I think that's so beautiful Um, absolutely so just keep adding and because you never know I think like with COVID what we realized collectively globally that we don't know what's going to happen and just like losing that sense of security and knowing but at least you know that you are here I think that is the only thing you kind of can control is just like 
being present. I'm doing this movement with like I'm putting my my hands next to my head. I'm just like present. <laughs> She's like the hands are like going down. <laughs> That's the problem with Arabs doing podcasts. We speak with our hands. We speak a lot yeah. with our hands. So when I'm trying to explain something, it's like through my hands. And this is why when me and Aisha always like record, we always have FaceTime open. So it's like okay, this is what I'm saying to you through my hands. You should understand me. Yeah. But no, absolutely. And I think. It is, it is a journey, but kind of realizing and kind of learning to feel comfortable in yourself and your cultural identity. Like when you feel that, it's almost like a breakthrough moment, I feel like. Yeah. And embracing it and learning, like learning. I want to learn so much about, you know, hijaz and the history of hijaz and Saudi women and the history of, you know, and like the stories of Saudi women and and things that we weren't like our curriculums were like very standard or very western so i'm like literally looking for all these research papers and like i want to know more i want to i want to be more aware of of me and my culture and where i come from and like you know what stories and you know what was happening in the past and why why is this affecting us like it affects everything that's happening in, in the world or that happened like so so interesting to learn about it and sometimes it's triggering but you know it, it really depends on where you are yeah but knowledge is power your podcast right? is doing such an amazing job at bringing yeah. forward the saudi woman narrative and um i have to say like take a moment to say i love your podcast so much um the name itself yeah. minna minkom which translates in english to from us from you um such a powerful name taking control of the the saudi mm-hmm. woman story and the narrative from saudi women uh, themselves and i did tear um a few times listening to the podcast because i felt really emotional it was it was just extremely empowering hearing these women's stories and getting to find out more about you through these um strong women in your life yeah it was it was so important for us to have these conversations and to kind of like just it's really like all our saudi life people have been telling us what we were supposed to be like oh you don't look saudi oh you're not oh you're not and i'm like what does this mean from where do you get these ideas um and i want to like i want to learn more about like the other women from different regions of saudi like how are we similar how are we different what what makes us similar Mm -hmm. what makes us different because not every saudi woman is the same not every Saudi woman is the same in terms of city and then family and then there's so many things. So people that just like socioeconomic level. Yeah, just like you cannot you cannot put you cannot put us in like like a Saudi like this is the Saudi girl. No. This is not the Saudi girl. There's so many different things. It doesn't make any sense because you would never be like, this is the American girl or this is the Egyptian girl. Like there's so many different types of people from the same that, that is Orientalism of like, this is this is. It's them. like just pushing everything into one. They like are it one. Yeah. The Arab. Yeah, especially the Arabs. Like this is an Arab girl. You, you want to break it down? There's like North Africa, Levant, GCC. But even like not everyone identifies as Arab. Like not everyone speaks Arabic. Like does that make them less Arab? Is Arab a race? Is it a culture? Like all of these mm-hmm. questions. Is it called the Middle East? Is it called Tswana? Like Middle East? Like middle of what? East of what? Who named that? Okay, colonizers. Okay, do we want to use that? So, so many layers. About. So many things. So confusing. So like at the end of the day, I think 
everyone's doing their best. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to remember that. Everyone's doing the best they can and everyone is doing what they think is best. I think representation comes into that a lot though as well. Like Because finally almost people seeing themselves represented, it's almost, I want to say, even even in in our experience, in my experience, and for a lot of people as well, even just as Arabs, right? Like seeing yourself represented in the media and seeing seeing people who you feel like you can relate to and they're speaking about issues both inside our culture and issues that we face outside of our culture. Like yeah. it gives you a sense of almost solidarity yeah. and it gives you a sense of hope. No, I agree. And even within that diversity of like, okay, we want to see more Arab women. Because it matters. Yeah, we want we want to see more diversity in. Like, we don't want it to be like, oh, Muslim women, check, Arab women, check. We want to see more diversity in these. Mm-hmm. No, we want to see everyone. <laughs> we Like, we don't want anyone to feel like they're not being represented. So just, just. We are not like a, a, a um like a box you just check just because you know just to have that in your campaign. I don't want to see like a tokenized Saudi. I want to see, you know, even if the, your campaign is directed to to, to to Saudi, have diversity within that because we will notice and just understand that you know you have to give people space in their own space. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. If something doesn't resonate with me and I just don't feel I cannot represent it, or someone else can do it better than I, like, I can't take their space. I can't, you know, just be like, okay, fine. This is like, this campaign is about Riyadh. I'm Saudi, so I'm going to do it. I, I don't resonate with Riyadh. That's someone that lived and grew up in Riyadh. It's so different. The emotions are different and everything is different. And I think, I think it really is important for so our like my job is to make sure that these things are not happening in my like direct space mm-hmm. and just like to address them what in whatever field they're happening and whatever context whether it's like print media digital like article film movie to be like okay let, let, let's look at this what's missing what's wrong is this the right person for this why is, is this person from this space are you taking space from someone that deserves it, deserves this more? Just being mindful. And even as well, like within within our communities, having that representation is like it's it is so important. Like even when you've spoken before about your beautiful, beautiful curls, mashallah, like unfortunately in the Arab world, so many people they feel like they can't embrace something as simple as the hair on their head. But that's because of colonialism. That's because of European beauty standards of like straight hair is better, light eyes are better, uh, fair skin is better, and now it's changing. So, so, so all of this is changing because people are seeing more. Even when it comes to like uh, diversity and and body shape and body size and, and age and and all of that, you know, mm-hmm. these things matter and these conversations are happening in the West, and we just you know. Sometimes we are just like a little bit behind, which is normal. You know, our, our countries are not, I mean, Saudi is, is a new country compared to like America. We're 90 years old. So things are like still happening. Do you feel personally, though, that even though things are changing, like, for example, where where do you feel like you are on the scale of embracing your curls and embracing, embracing the features that unfortunately for 
for the reason of colonialism, like you say, that our society has taught us to not like about ourselves. I think I think that's changing. Uh, I think there's still like um, traces of that, like with hair and like I don't know what else would bother me. I think hair is the only thing. But then just embracing the differences mm-hmm. because I'm I don't want to be a white girl. <laughs> You want to be you. I, yeah. And, and not that there's anything wrong with being a white girl. I think that's another conversation. But I think what I meant and what I'm saying is for the longest time, I thought being a white girl with straight hair and fair skin is better because it's prettier and it's, it's that your hair is easier and people will love you more because it's like blondes have more fun it's like messages that you've seen throughout movies and television and media blondes have more fun barbie mm-hmm. that's true uh, all all of these visuals and like you know you just think and and now embracing me and, and where i'm from and and you know my shape my size my color and everything and my texture my hair texture it's like no i don't want to be a white girl i want to be me and so you should be you know like you should be you should be given that space to feel comfortable to be you yeah I want girls to feel this way when they are nine years old and like younger and it doesn't have to happen after you know when they're 30 or like after they don't have to unlearn it yeah I just want them to just like know and and it's it and we're doing that with representation of like you know like she's prettier you know everyone is pretty there's something called preferences but then what the industry sees as pretty who says who decides what what i don't know because they they thought it was never gonna change and now look at look at the spring summer 21 and and the runway and how everything they said you would never see on a runway you're seeing on the runway whether it's an older model a uh, hijabi model, um, a, a, a curvier model, natural hair, and, and not trying to make it all fit this like one hair because people have different hair and they have different skin and they have different bodies and like even just like just like bodies like like their skin texture and all of that like we're just so obsessed with what the industry think is the right thing but now the industry is changing because people are telling them you need to change and they're demanding it people aren't falling for for their old messages anymore yeah it's like i don't want to see that i don't want to see just like a, a sea of beige on your like casting deck like i want to see myself whether it's like features or visibly myself or like culturally myself what like i just want to i just want to see everyone i want to see me of course but i want the person that is like me to see i want i want us to see us and if you see yourself it's it's so much easier to be yourself which is so important but in terms of what you've done, I think the Arab Creative Directory has been such an amazing thing for Arab creatives to feel seen and like feel heard. So uh, round of applause yeah. to you for starting that. It's amazing what you've done. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want to know how did it come about? Like what made you like sit there and be like, okay, I'm taking the initiative to start this? I think it was a conversation. There was one publication from the Middle East um, and, and publications in the Middle East are very broad because they're called you know, Middle East or Arabia. Uh, so they represent like, you know, 22 countries. Um, I think that there was a conversation around that, that there wasn't enough diversity. And then 
so so my reaction was from anger to action so i'm just like what do you like the 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 answer was always like there's not enough arab creatives i'm like what do you mean hey arab creatives can you just put your name um and now we have like 3000 people which is insane but it's not, it's not enough it's not enough like if you think about it we're millions you know where like it's it this is just like literally a drop of creatives and talent we're there it's not like we're there we're all on instagram we're there find us hire us give us space um because it's really important if you have power to use your power to give other people power and not just feel like oh the power is going to finish let me keep it all to myself let me because you're going to you know d- diminish and i think they actually they need the industry is in need of arab creatives because they need they need people who relate to the stories the creations that they're trying to create the industry is in need of creatives that are from the space where the story is being absolutely told. Yeah, that's that's, that's what in every in every Amazing. space like and I'm sure people in like the Midwest of America feel like oh why are the stories about LA and New York? Hello, hi, we're here. We're part of this com- economy. We're part of this nation. It's a start, and I think it's just like so important and yes. and um, that is happening now. So add your name to the form. It's on my link in my bio. Amazing. Okay, well then. What are your future plans? What is next? I don't know. There's no future plans because when you plan and then COVID happens and then cancel anything. <laughs> no, I think my, my future plans is, are I just want to just the only thing that I like I want to do is I need to drink more water and I need to exercise <laughs> and and I need to just like kind of check myself sometimes when these like my, the signs that my body are telling me when something is triggering me or I'm angry or I'm happy or I'm sad just kind of like what is causing this is this something that is caused by something that is happening right now or am I projecting on something that is happening in the past these are my future plans very basic simple yeah they're very important exactly I feel like exactly like you say do you know you plan God plans differently like who would have thought that we'd be sat here in quarantine yeah. for months and months? I, I don't have, but you know, I I do wanna I do wanna work on on the creative directory. I do wanna work on the brand. I'm, we were we we are reworking on re, revamping Fionca for like a ten year anniversary in a few months. Mm-hmm. So 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 many things. I'm I'm like collecting vintage linens. I'm working with an embroidery artist from Saudi that we're gonna like, you know, create these like really nice mocktail napkins love it cocktail napkins. we love a good mocktail yeah. and um yeah that's it i'm my friends actually my friend's movie uh called the book of sun which is a saudi movie that is so it's crazy it's on netflix so i'm doing a screening tomorrow it's a saudi movie one of my best friends my best best friend um is set designer like he he worked on this movie like he did so many things not just a designer and he's just part of it it's amazing so that's what i'm doing tomorrow i'm excited about that check that out on netflix this is not sponsored we will definitely do and is there a season two of the podcast hopefully we're working on that too and like the other the other day i had this idea of like oh i want to do like a, a co-working space in new york it wasn't like an idea that i had but i really need a studio space and i'm like i need to find something that's big enough but i need to share it and i'm like oh, 
maybe I can. And then I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're like, let me do one thing at a time. Yeah, one thing at a time, but different things in the span of, you know. I feel like what you said in the past two minutes is a brain of a creative. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> Now I just need to like have it in writing. Well, you have it in audio. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> we'll send you this little clip and tell you, listen, just write it down. We have it all set for you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Ella, for being here today. We had the best time speaking to you. So many great nuggets of information to take away. Thank you for having me. Where can everyone find you? It's at Ella. So at A-L-A-A. Amazing. Well, yeah, we've really enjoyed it and it's really been our pleasure to have you on it's been such an interesting conversation I feel like I've learned a lot just from this conversation and being able to like delve into your experiences um so yeah we really appreciate you being on thank you so much for that thank you so much and Thank you as well to all of our listeners. Make sure to follow Ella and make sure to follow us on Instagram too at Culture Mocktail. Rate us an Apple podcast and please write us a review. There is a new episode every Tuesday, so tune in. Embrace your mocktail. And keep flourishing.